Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. Oh, my God, we haven't, it feels like we haven't said that in months, hasn't it, Larry Sands? I tell you what, hey, I'm Eric Kasloff, by the way, and with me, as always, is Larry Sands. Hello, everybody. Oh, my gosh, Eric, I guess we're officially back now. Yeah, um, this is our second episode we've recorded. You can hear the episode all about filming um, Hillsborough Road. Again, best experience of my life. Some highlights I'm going to give you from that episode. Number one, now we got to understand here, guys. This is my first time ever in Texas. These are places that I've lived in my life. New Jersey, where I'm from, Brooklyn, and Los Angeles. So I've always lived in big cities where things are walking distance. <laughs> yeah, nothing in Texas is walking distance. <laughs> Not really. Nothing. No. I would wake up in places and want breakfast, and you can't just walk outside of your house and get a bagel. Do you even have bagels in Texas? Rarely. R- rarely. And if it, you it's do, those they're... kind you buy at the store, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. Let me ask you this. What's locks, Larry? What is lox and cream cheese? Have you ever had lox and cream cheese for breakfast? Aren't lox like long hair? Yeah, see, see. Me me, me and our guest will talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, Larry, uh, it was the happiest time of my life. Getting to make it with you, our our amazing cast. I mean, even Dylan flew out to help us make this movie. It was... uh, I have listened to our other podcast where you can hear all about making the movie, me being drunk for the first few times, which is another, another podcast in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I will say, you know, for, for, for everything that, that man, it feels like we've been like shooting for two, three months. I swear. Yeah. I, you know, but but for for everything that that we've kind of been through and gone through with our movie, and you know, I mean, when you listen to it, obviously there's going to be a little bit a bit of bumps in the roads and hiccups because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a movie without that, right? But there really wasn't that many. Is that no. I mean, there was three, not even maybe two big bumps, but. The one bump we finished it with in under two hours. That one yeah. problem, yeah. that major yeah. problem we yeah. had. Yeah, yeah, and it was you know for for everything that it's worth as movies go, I think it went pretty smooth. Oh, ridiculously yeah. good! Yeah. All I'm I'm not I'm not going to give anything away, but there yeah. is an eight minute tracking shot with dialogue. We yeah. looked at that scene and Donnie Darko and said, "Hey, hold our beer." Now, we haven't gone Scorsese yet with those kind of tracking shots, but we will. We will. will, Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I've got to hand it to Nate, our camera operator, and everybody everybody that was on the film, you know, the the skeleton crew that we had, even Dylan, he he stepped up, you know, he, he was part of our crew, and then he was, he was the actor, and he's got a great scene all of these people we're talking about like the cast will be back on nate here's the we only met nate maybe two months ago but if you would have seen the way the three of us were acting and joking 
you would have thought we've been friends for years. It's oh, the yeah. same humor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. He definitely got us and we definitely got him. And, and it was, it was nice. It was a nice shoot, you know, <laughs> it was very nice. So I can't, if, if you guys are listening to us right now, go back to our previous episode. That's the one where Eric and I talk about everything having to do with Hillsborough road and reminiscing. And we, we laugh, we cry, we joke. It was, it was awesome. So go back and, and listen to that podcast. Mainly me being the most fish out of water <laughs> I've ever felt in my entire <laughs> life. I understand the movie My Cousin Vinny in <laughs> so many other levels. I mean, the whole time I was there, nobody looked at me and said, what are you looking at? <laughs> it was a great feeling Larry a great feeling I know I and and Eric you know that's that's part of why I love our podcast we talk to all all kinds of creative people and no matter where they are and no matter how they feel you know they've they've done their project they've they've written their book they've <clears throat> shot their movie they're they've recorded their song and and I gotta hand it to you because you know, just like what you're saying, you're kind of like a fish out of water, but you didn't miss a beat. You did not miss a beat. And and I'm super happy. And I was just really proud of you. I was proud of this. you too, Larry, for putting up with me and, you know, all of, I mean, all the stuff that went on. And I'm very happy that our our brother Dylan took my cell phone away at times he needed to. Yeah. And again, you'll you'll we'll we'll do a whole episode talking about the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's for another podcast. Yeah. That's an after dark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Eric, we my, this... my apologies to the people, the good people of the buffalo wild wings right <laughs> my actions were tasteless exactly exactly but you know this podcast obviously we're back and yeah. this marks our our first guest back on the show from us being on hiatus because of our movie and and i think you know reading the bio um of our of our guest today it's actually um he's got what sounds like a great slice of life book. I am super duper excited. Again, you can probably tell I do favor people from the tri-state area when they're on the podcast <laughs> yes, more than anyone else. Yes, you do. And I was I'm kind of excited about this cuz I'm 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 excited to hear you guys go back and forth <laughs> about about <laughs> being neighbors. But uh <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, um this week we have author Vito Altavilla. Uh, he is he is uh, a New York native, and he wrote a book called "It All Began in Brooklyn." And I think he's from Brooklyn. Is it safe to say? Yes. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> now let's bring him on. Vito, hi there. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so Absolutely. much for coming on today. Yes, yes. And actually being the first uh, guest back, uh, we're going to knock off some of the rust that we've had uh, since we've been doing our movie for a couple months. But uh, yes, thank you for being on the show. And more importantly, going through your bio and your website, 
which it all began in Brooklyn.com. And what is it, Eric? Links will be in the description. Links will be in the... Wow, it's been so long, I forgot to say it. All yeah. links will be in the description if you're listening in on Anchor. And when we put it out on social media, all the links will be there also. Absolutely. So, Vito, I can't yeah. wait to talk about your book. Not only your book, but your life. You've been through so much. It was uh, it was an adventure. It was it was it was actually a lot of fun. It's it's not something that you specifically plan for. It's just the way things evolve. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it started with, uh, you know, uh, in those days when you when you finished high school, you you uh, you had the choice either going directly into the service where you can go to university, and uh, but one one way or another you were going to go into the service. So mm-hmm. I went into the service first, and then I went to university. And, yeah. and, and, but, but even, even getting to the point of, of <clears throat> high school, uh, where I grew up was a town, it was almost like a town in Brooklyn. It was called Gerritsen Beach, which was next, which bordered Flatbush. And <clears throat> it was a, a really unique town because they called it like almost like the seashore in the city. It was only 13 miles with a bus and a train directly to Manhattan. Mm. And in those days, you're talking 1947 or so. Uh, you know, you're not talking computers, you're not talking cell phones. You couldn't even explain a cell phone. No. Uh, TV didn't come out until it was black and white, not until the mid 50s. But there was a time, it was a time of innocence. Uh, the word sex was never mentioned. We never heard the word sex until we were in high school. Mm. And we thought that the only difference between boys and girls when you're seven or eight years old was that the boys had short hair and wore pants and the girls had long hair and wore dresses. <laughs> girls didn't wear slacks in those days. Yeah. And, uh, the first incident, or I should say shock of my life, is my mother took me with her to visit a friend, which was about three blocks away. And everybody walked in those days because not everybody had a car. And uh, we, we uh, it was a summer day and she knocked on the screen door and the woman said, come on in. And uh, the screen door is open. I'll be with you in a minute. I'm just toweling off my daughter, Susie. So I walked in in front of my mother just as she drops the towel from her daughter. And I'm in absolute shock. And I said, you know, I'm looking and there's a part missing. We didn't, we didn't know, you know, it, I said to my, I, said, I tell my mother, Ma, it's gone. How's she going to be? It's gone. She said, I'll explain it to you when we get home. I said, yeah, but she says, I'll, I'll explain it to you when we get home. Anyway, make a long story short. We get home and I said, okay, Ma, what, what is it? What is it? She said, well, what you call your peepee is called a penis. And if you don't have one, it's called a vagina. I said, what is it? How does it work? And so forth. She said, that's enough. You'll know more when you get older. <laughs> so I see my friend Maddie outside. And I said, I'm going to take my baseball glove and have a game of catch. And I go up to him and I say, Maddie, I said, you want to have a game of catch? He says, yeah. I said, you never guess what I just saw. And I explained to him what had just happened. He said, that's not possible. How is she going to pee? She's gotta, <laughs> it's not possible. I said, no, my mother said, if they don't have one of those, it's called a vagina. He said, well, let me get my baseball glove and let me check with my mom. Maybe she knows what a vagina is. <laughs> And that was the first shock, okay? Uh, and that, of course, we learned a little later that there, yeah, there's a difference. But we, uh, you know, and, and it was a series of, I mean, it, it it was a lot of ups and downs and all that kind of stuff as there is. But I, I found it's a much it's much more fun to laugh. Uh, you know, there was a community effort. Uh, it was it was a time when uh, at the slightest incident there would be a block party. 
Oh, and wow. One of the guys had a big weeping willow tree in his yard. That was a neighbor. And uh, they cut it down. And all the men were like lumberjacks for the day. And there was a big spread of food and so forth. And so now you had all these branches. And we said, we can make our own bow and arrows. You know, it was seven or eight years old. Yeah. And with a weeping willow tree, the bark comes off easy. So we did that. You got the, 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 the string, which was butcher twine from Louis the Butcher, you know. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, you had, now to get arrows, there was a small area, a swamp area. You cut the reeds. You put tar that was melted on the street. Put that on. And then you steal the little air caps, you know, from the tires from the people on the next block <laughs> because you don't want to do it on your block. And, and you know, those bow and arrows would go 100 yards or so. Wow. wow. I wanted to get a slingshot too, though. And they, my friends didn't want to do that. So I go back the next day and, and I find a perfect piece, perfect Y and so forth. Now I need the right rubber. So I remember going through my mother's laundry and I find a rubber girdle. And I, you know, I, I ask her if she needed it with not very loud voice. And I didn't hear it. So I take the rubber girdle. I slice it all up and I got a fantastic stretch on that thing. But now I need a pouch for, for, for to hold it, hold it, right? Right. So I can't find anything. So I asked my friend Matt. He says, you know, he says, on Thursdays, the nuns do their wash. <sighs> he says, and I think they got those things. He says, I think they call them brassiers or whatever they are. He says, they got them all hanging on the line today. He says, you know, you can go over there and take a look. So I go running over there. And I see one one small, I guess, bra you call them today. And I, and I said, man, that, that's perfect. Shimmy up a pole. Grab it. As I'm going back, I yank the line and I, the whole wash comes down. Oh my goodness. And, and I, and I take off, but I got my pouches, you know, and the, and the priest is yelling about the next day that uh, I would like to have know who did that. And there's an undergarment missing from sister Josephine. So <laughs> she never got the garment back. We already had it in two parts. That's amazing. That's, that, you know, it's, it's, it's stuff like that, Vito, that, is absolutely amazing, and and I kid you not, you really have seen it all. Yeah. You've you've seen it all. Yeah, I, you know, well, you know, uh, get, getting into, um, you know, I graduated from RIT, but prior to that, you know, we had there was just uh, just every everything is more or less open. In other words, what you what you really were after, and so forth. You know, I I was a classical accordionist for a little while, and so forth, and. Even in the service, we uh, we put uh, you know put a little rock and roll band together. Uh, they, I was in the Seabees in the Navy, mm. and uh, the first port of call was they uh, they shipped us off to North Africa and Morocco. Wow. So, so we we were there for like for 10, 11 months, putting up schools and sewer pipes and all this other kind of stuff, and <laughs> and we, uh, we so we we put this little rock and roll group band together, and we. Picked up an old a 51 a Jaguar limousine oh. from a stranded German band. We all chipped in. We got it for 800 bucks, and we could put all of our all of our all of our instruments in it. It was no problem. And so we played Rabat, which was the capital, Casablanca, Tangiers, Marrakesh, and oh. that we we made we made we made a lot of money. We were we had a deal with the officers. We'll play for their parties once a month. Just don't give us any oh, duty on the weekends. Wow. So. Uh, and now the funny thing is, is when you're a musician, nobody bothers you, okay? There were bad guys and, you know, hookers and all this kind of, you know, broads and so forth. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't bother you unless you wanted to be bothered, okay? Yeah. But you know what they all complained about? You'll never guess what they all complained about. What? 
cold feet. Because it was near off the desert, and it, and it got cold at night, and all the girls always complained about cold feet. So I write a letter home to my mother. I sent her what money I have. I said, get me a bunch of wool socks, you know, for <laughs> as many as you can with the money I gave you. Okay, I get this back. And I'm making like two to three times my investment. Wow. So now the girls are happy because their feet are warm. The pimp's happy because the girls are working longer. And I'm happy because I'm making money. It was a win-win. <laughs> Now, now, Vito, is that in your book? Uh, yeah, on, on that one. Well, not 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 the cold feet, but uh, what happened is, <clears throat> I I wrote the book, and I sent out uh, some of the books. One went to Ken Burns. I was trying to find out because it was oh this was all new to me, you know, with the best way of doing these things. And I also sent some to one a, a different bunch of different people, but the ones that responded. Was Ken Burns, you know, the documentarian? Yeah, yeah. And he's his office sent me a letter, not an email, a nice letter in the postal, you know, post, post mail, and saying that they thought the book had some merit for a movie and so forth. Which you know, I kept the letter. I was really, I said, wow. I said, well, I'm not going to do the sequel. I'll work on this. I'll work on the screenplay. Right. Yeah. And Jay Leno's secretary called me up to tell me that he he enjoyed it, but you know, he'd recommend he doesn't do uh, any, what anybody else writes. But he just said, you know, stay with it. You just need the one break with the right people. He says, and that's all it takes, which was kind of nice. You know, it was, I mean, an actual phone call from the secretary. That, that so so I got a book on screenplay. I wrote a screenplay. Now, awesome. well, the, the thing is, is what, when I wrote the book, you know, you get all these memories keep flooding in. And after a while, it's like the book's writing itself. I but know. after the book got published, I said, you know, you start remembering even more stuff, I you know. know. So I got a, a fair amount of stuff that's from the book and the screenplay, but also a lot of other stuff. Okay, and after and after the screenplay, I started remembering even more, um, even more, more things. You know, Man. but it's like, for example, uh, I, this 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 particular story is in a book. You remember how old you were the first time you danced with a girl? Uh, kind of, yeah. Maybe. Okay. I, I know I was fifteen years old. And in those days, they had dances at the YMCA <clears throat> and the Polish-American dances. The Polish-American dances, they only played polkas. So you couldn't get close together with a girl. Everybody was like a, a workout. But at the YMCA, they had the band music piped in. And they had these little round tables with checkerboard uh, tablecloths on it. And you would hook up with your friends. So I remember seeing my friends. We hooked up one Saturday. And I said, I said, gee, that girl over there is really, really cute. I'm going to ask her to dance. He said, okay, well, we're going to look around a little more. I said, okay. I go and ask her to dance. I tell her what my name is. She tells me her name is, I still remember her name, Grace. She oh, yeah. asked her to dance. She says, yeah, okay. She stands up, and she's exactly the same height as my belt buckle. Same height <laughs> as she was sitting down. The top of her head is where my belt buckle is. So I'm trying to make my, my I'm trying to make my arms look shorter, you know? <laughs> so I put my, I got my arm against, I got my arm against, my my side and I got a little hand in my hand, but now your right hand, which is around the white, normally around, now it's behind the head. <laughs> so you know, and and I can feel a breath. I'm 15 <sighs> years old. You know, it's it's getting embarrassing. Yeah. So so the <laughs> the song's over. I tell her I can't dance again. I got a part time job. I see my friends. They're <laughs> hanging on to each other. They're laughing. I said, what's so funny? I says, your rest was out so far, man. You look like an inverted V. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vito. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> we, there was, you know, and then, and then, oh my gosh, there, there was, uh, <laughs> I, I, got, I got a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of these stories are in the book too, but the, there's some of my favorites. Uh, one was, uh, <clears throat> this one, this, this one, this one's in the book. Uh, it was uh, when I was Saturday, Saturdays, I had a part-time job for Louis the Butcher. <clears throat> and in those days you had the, the, the bike with the small wheel in the front and the big basket on top. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, you had to go maybe four or five blocks. And anyway, one of his best customers was Fanny. And and Fanny had a, a big old, like, seven or eight bags or something like that. So he said, now be careful. He said, you know, she's my best customer, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, fine. I get to Fanny's house, and I knock on the door, and she sticks her head out from the second floor, and she says, I'll be with you in a minute. Just just open the door, Sonny, and just go inside and start unloading. I said, okay. And I do one package, and she comes down the stairs, and she's got a house dress on with yellow and orange flowers on it. And, and, it's, and it's snapped like on an angle. And so she goes to bend down to pick up one of the packages. And when she does that, the whole thing pops open from oh above about the shoulder to just above the knee. And out comes this bush. It was like a mini afro just explodes out. And then when she stands up, it disappears. So, so, so you know, seven or eight times later, you know, we got everything done. And she says, thank you. I got a quarter tip that day, though. So, you know, that was that was a big tip. Yeah. I go back to the butcher shop. I said, man, you can't believe what I saw, Louis. He says, welcome to dealing with the public. You ain't seen nothing yet. Vito, I can only imagine what it's like for you to, to sit down and to go through your life in, in yeah. stories and pictures and to recount all this. Um, what what was okay? Actually, when did you first decide you wanted to write your book? You know, I tell you something funny. I never decided to write a book. It all started where every Friday, every Friday morning, a bunch of the guys from church and so forth. We get together for breakfast, okay, at uh, Bob Evans, and we 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 said okay, and everybody had a story to swap. It was just just a nice breakfast meeting with people there you know, once a week. Because yeah. we're all isolated and doing different things. And I happen to have a few more stories than anyone else. And the guy says, you know, you got a lot of stories. You ought to write a book. He says, yeah, I, I, you know, it might be worth a shot. I, I don't have that much to do. I'm sort of retired now. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And that's how the whole thing started. Mm. It took about seven or eight months. I mean, rewrites and so forth and so forth, because I had never done it before. And as, as I write it, you, you, what happens is that I'm starting to enjoy these stories that I'm remembering. You know, it was it, it was like <laughs> it, it, it's like it's bringing it back, but it's like yeah. you're right back where you were. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's 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 like you know, like no time has passed, and you know, it it it, it was just a, a lot a lot of fun. And then when I started, I, when I started, I said, "Geez," I said, "You know, it's about 170 pages and so forth. It's an easy read." But each chapter is almost like a, just like almost like a short story in itself. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, but now the screenplay was different, okay? Because I, I gave it to somebody who gave it to a friend of his. He called Movie Mike out in California, and he said, you know, you, you, this is it would never work as a film. People want to see a character and his growth through the whole the whole thing. Yeah. I said, okay, well, well 
write a screenplay. Let me see what I can do with it. So the screenplay is very different. I mean, it starts off. It starts off with the with the uh, the shock of, of, of realizing that girls are different and it, and it progresses, you know, from from they're getting a little older and so forth and so forth, uh, even to the extent that that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, in those days, if you went to Catholic school and if you were uh, a bit of, you know, a problem, you get they had this hardwood ruler that you get a whack across the palm of your hands. And if and if it was a little rougher, they get it across the knuckles. But if you really, really aggravated the nun, man, you get on your hands and knees. <clears throat> she take that damn pointer, have you face the class, and whack it across your butt. I mean, really, I mean, you really felt it. Well, that happened to me. I had dropped the pencil, and the girl, I mean, I went to pick it up, and I lifted up a dress at the same time. And I still remember she had these panties with these little birdies on it and so forth. And and so she, she raises her hand and tells the nun, Sonny lifted up my dress. It was an accident. She's not. She didn't believe that. So I'm facing the class now. One hit, that was tolerable. The second hit, I fell forward on my face and got a bloody nose. And she, but the pointer broke in half. So 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 she says, go 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 wash up and then come back here. So I, I do that. She says, now you bring this broken pointer and bring it down to Mother Superior. Okay, I go down there. She's yeah, what is it? And Mother Superior knew everybody's names. So she says, what happened? I said, I, bro I broke Sister Josephine's pointer. I had you break it. I said, I said well, she, I said, she was hitting me across my butt, and she didn't realize how hard my butt was, so I'm responsible for breaking. She says, okay. So, so tell, Sister, tell Sister Josephine, we'll get her a new pointer next week. You know, and then you went back and so forth, you know. But... <clears throat> But it, when I was with my friends at the end of the class day, she said, he said, uh, he said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I wasn't going to let her do it a third time. So I was going to grab it. I said, Damn, I said, the second shot hurt. I said, I said, but I said, I got to tell you, I, I said, I know Emmy's panties, what they look like. You know, it was, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds like your book and even your your feature film the screenplay that you're writing it sounds almost like a bronx tale well you know I, yeah. it, it, uh, anthony anthony Moore has this young guy his name is daxon dubosh and daxon is an incredibly talented guy and he put together a 30 second streamer with a oh. query letter that I, I i could i could never have written anything that 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 good he he's, he did a great job on it and he equates it to like a, a precursor to American graffiti. And, yeah. and, you know, I said, you know, and when I read it, every time I read it, I said, you know, he, he really nailed it. But he read the whole book through and the screenplay, so he really had a handle on the whole thing. <clears throat> but it's, uh, we're, we, we, you know, we've gotten, uh, you know, I, I have strangers coming up to me saying, I think I know you now and that kind of stuff and so forth. Yeah. But it's been, it's been, a, it's been a kick. I'll tell you one of the one of the funniest stories. Uh, I I remember this one is in the screenplay, which which is finished by the way. It is finished. But we moved to Queens when I was around ten, and we had a a family move next to us, and they it was a young kid by the name of Jerry Logan, and I see him in the yard, and I say hi, and he, he goes hi. My name is Jerry Logan. God 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 damn it! And I have Tourette's. I said, well, I said, I said, well, that's a problem. He said, well, it's so bad. Once I, I, I know some somebody. I said, oh, okay. And I find out he's going to go to the same school, PS 138. 
he's in the same class with Mrs. Banta. <clears throat> we go to school that morning. Uh, the, that, the, that was on the weekend, on, and that Monday we're in class. And, and she says, okay, Jerry, take a seat in the back and so forth. She realizes he has Tourette's. And Jerry's smart, though. And every time there's a question, he's raising his hand. He wants. She never calls on him until one day he's raising his hand and nobody else is raising their hand. And it's on the Revolutionary War in the Boston Tea Party. So she said, okay, Jerry, you want to, you know about it? He said, I know a lot about the God damn it, that party. And about the Patriots who dressed up as Indians. And there were a lot of Patriots because there was a lot of goddamn tea. He's going, he's going around like that. And and he said, you know, and they, and and the, the whole class is cracking up. I mean, it was really really funny. <clears throat> the class is over. I'm walking back home with Jerry, and he said, I said, I said, God, I said, you had everybody cracking up. He said, I I I I put it on a little thick. Why? He said, because when's the last time you could say son of a bitch in class? I love that. I, and and that so that's in your book, but that's also in your screenplay. That's in the screenplay. Yeah, I, I thought about that one after I written, wrote the book. This it's like half of the screenplays from the book, and a lot there's a lot of new stuff too. I love. Then of course after you finish doing the screenplay, you start thinking of other things. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. Like yeah. Right. Like my grandfather never went to a dentist. Never. He had a one time he had a toothache, and they they own the they own the twelfth apartment building in Bensonhurst. And during the Depression, uh, they had to sell half of it off. And it was like six apartments on one side, six on another. So they still had the other half. <clears throat> and there were separate uh, stoves to heat up all the apartments and all of that. So he said, uh, I, I see him one day, I said, look, Louis the Butcher's got the store closed today because they're putting in a new window and so forth. I figured he might need a hand. He said, I'm glad, I'm glad you came. I'm glad you came, sonny. He said, I got this tooth that's just killing me. Come with me downstairs. He says, I got to put some coal in the furnace, but come come downstairs. So he goes like that. He says, now look, he says, you see over there? You see the neck of that bottle? I said, yeah. He says, that's, it. that's my disinfectant. He says, bring me some. I'm looking at the label, says Jim Beam. <laughs> I, said, I said, he says, he said, well, he says, I'm going to show you why you don't need a dentist. So he takes the swallow, swishes in the mouth. I says, you're going to spit it out? And as he swallows, he says, are you kidding? That's expensive stuff. So now he, he swishes it around. He says, go get the pliers over there for me. Oh. I get the pliers. He puts it on his and he yanks his own tooth out. Oh. Oh. He says, the blood's dripping down on his shirt. He says, get the roll of toilet paper, roll it up really tight. I got to stop the bleeding and bring me some more disinfectant. Oh. Now a quarter of the bottle's gone. <laughs> he's not feeling, he's, the pain's gone. <clears throat> he says, you see, you don't need a dentist. <laughs> that's that, that, that was it was uh that's you know and then of course we go back up with his wife is there and she says what the hell are you doing what's it says you've been drinking he says yeah but i saved money from the dentist he says oh okay. <laughs> it was okay then. oh my god that's amazing <laughs> how does how does your family feel um like reading all this, all these memories. I mean, well, what was their the, reaction? 
Well, the parents had been gone for a while, but the kids got a big kick out of it. Yeah. Uh, the the people, funny, people like 35 on up think it's really hilarious, okay? Yeah. And the older, the older get, they even laugh even more. The younger people say, you know, did that really happen? You know, it, it, yeah. it's kind of hard. Well, the one that really got to them is uh, we were at, we were at uh, my, my grandfather who pulled out his tooth. We were there for one summer, uh, one Sunday for, for, for dinner. And uh, we always called his wife, my grandmother, Fat Mama. We didn't even know her name until she died. Somebody mentioned her name, but we always called her Fat Mama. We call my other, my one grandmother passed away, but my other grandmother is Fat Mommy. Really? So I understand completely <laughs> yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. They were billowy and really comfortable to lay in there when you were a kid. You still remember uh -huh. the feeling. It's warm the and toasty. Flab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this particular, not now, this is 1951. Now, we have a car now, okay? A 51 Buick. Wow. Big car. Yeah. But it had a, <clears throat> and, and so it looked like it was going to snow. My father's getting nervous. He's okay, make sure everybody goes to the bathroom. We, we're going to leave now because I don't want to get stuck. It's a half an hour ride, but it could be three hours, you know? Oh. So we get out there. We're on the, we're on the highway, Belt Parkway, for 10 minutes, and it starts to snow. New York starts to snow. Everything stops, right? Right. So my mother said, and, and no seatbelts or anything else like that in the car. Anyway, after about 10 minutes, my mother said, Al, I, I, have, to, I have to go to the bathroom. She says, well, what do you want to do? She says, we're stuck in the middle of the highway. She said, no, no, I, I have to pee. He said, well, why didn't you go before? He said, I didn't have to go then. I have to go now. He said, the only thing we got here is the yesterday. Look, I'll take my cigar butts out. And he takes oh. it and he gives her the ashtray. She says, that's a small ashtray. Ashtray in a 50, 39 bill is small. It's like maybe three ounces. Okay. <laughs> so she says, oh, gosh, she can't stand. So my brother Joe and I are in the back, and we see our mother moving, squirming. We didn't know our mother could move like that, man. She had moves that you, you just couldn't believe. She finally gets a, a rubber girdle off that she's complaining about because she had to buy a new one. And we know why. You know? <laughs> and and then she gets her panties up. She says, okay. She says, now, Sonny, when I say I'm ready, you lean forward, roll down the window on my side. And I say, and I'll take the tray and I'll dump it out. And when I say finished, I'll bring it back in and you roll it back up. Oh, my God. <laughs> we did that a half a dozen times. <laughs> and then we finally, <laughs> we finally get home. My mother says, God damn it. She says, I got pee on my legs and and. You know, and she's mumbling words that we had never heard before. My father yells out to her, says, look, Annie, he says, when you finish, says, make sure that ashtray's clean, because that's where I keep my cigar butts. And she, <laughs> she says something else mumbling to him. <laughs> my God, bless him, man. <laughs> you know, it is, it is funny because, you know, like when you're under 35, that, and you hear about stories from, I get, those would be the good old days. No doubt oh, yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, no most people like under our, I'm just turned 40 recently. This, the, the thing that's going to stick out to most people now is they had, you know, like ashtrays and cars. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's right. what's boggling most people listening right now. It's so funny. I, I tell well, you, you know, it, and it is one thing because reading on your website, you know, you talk about this was before cell phones. This was before the oh, internet. Yeah. This is when people like knew how to communicate with each other and get along yeah. with each other. And, you know, 
Uh, oh, people always work with each other. You know, when my dad bought that house in Brooklyn, he put $500 down and a $2,000 mortgage, okay? Wow. And wow. all the neighbors chipped in. Jimmy, Jimmy, the roofer, had shingles. He fixed the roof. Uh, then Bobby, the carpenter, fixed the, the railings and stuff like that. And Bruce, the plumber, fixed the thing. Within a week, it, the house was ship shape, okay? Because there was a new couple with two young kids, you know? Yeah. And you, when he came home from school, you know, you went out and played, and somebody's parent would say dinner, and everybody would split. Yeah. You'd eat, you'd do your, your homework, and go to bed. You know, want a little bit of radio and so forth. But I'll tell you, there's one story that I, I'll, I'll bet you that no matter what age you're at, you, you'll remember. And it was my last seven days uh, and I, on active duty in the Navy. You got separated at, at, at uh, the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And in those days, you had so much time on active duty and so much time in the reserves. My deal was two years active duty, four years in the reserves. So uh, my time was up. And I got a cut for school. And they sent me to Brooklyn Navy Yard. So you go there and you're there for six or seven days. Of course, you, you know, you got, they got to do all the paperwork. You got disbursements. You have some extra money coming and stuff like that. Well, I see guys doing swabbing floors and doing cleaning toilets. And before I said, man, I don't want to do that for the next six days. So before I could say anything, the guy says, you got any medical experience? I says, oh, yeah. Which <laughs> I just didn't want to do that. He said, well, good. He said, because they're short and prenatal. I said, okay. So go to the hospital tomorrow. Eight o'clock in the morning. I said, okay. I didn't even know what prenatal was. <laughs> so, so I go, I, I find a dictionary. I said, oh my God, it's pregnant ladies. So there I am. Now, that week, I saw 36 <laughs> vaginas. They would come in from three months pregnant to really close time, okay? Yeah. And so you tell them to go behind the screen, take the clothes off, put on a gown, and they put them in this chair with stirrups. The legs are like four feet apart, you know? <laughs> and you roll it up so that the doctor could come right in and check them, right? Yeah. Well, you know, early stages of pregnancy, not so bad, but they ain't all pretty. I got to tell you, you know, when you get, you know, you get close to that time, you say, oh, it's a little rough to even look at, but, you know, you got to wonder how the hell a baby's going to come out of there. I mean, it's, it's you're like a, it was like an awakening. I'd say probably almost like an epiphany. <laughs> you, you know, Vito, who you remind me of, you just and it just popped into my head. Rodney Dangerfield. That's funny. <laughs> Rodney. One of my favorite comedians. Is it oh, really? He was great. Oh yeah, I like I like Rodney. Him him <clears throat> I liked him a lot. And and the other I tell you another guy I liked an awful lot because I loved his stories was Buddy Hackett. Oh, yeah. Yes, very, yeah. 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 It, you know, we, we got a lot of people going, Rodney Danger. Who are these people? I think I kind of yeah. heard of him. And, but anybody listening to this right now, after the show, Google Rodney Dangerfield and even Buddy Hackett. Because yeah. they were, yeah. I mean, they were part of the greats, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. They really were. You know, and, and, and you know, it, it the, but you know, the, the humor was, it wasn't nasty. It was, it was just humor, you know? Right. Exactly. It, it, yeah. it was just, it was just fun. It know? was almost like a, a matter of fact humor. Yeah. Right. And you know, you talked about bagels and locks. Yeah. There's some white fish and so forth. Oh, come on. Yeah. You get to go to a good Jewish delicatessen, man. You get the, they, they'd be making those bagels at four o'clock in the morning, man. They exactly. Were, they, yeah. They were the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, actually looking at your book, um, the book cover, yeah. um, I, I, now I kind of see 
because because uh, for everybody, when you when you go to Vito's website, um, it's and a it great is website by the it way, is. I really like the look of it. It is. It's Thank and, you. And again, where are where's the links, Eric? In the description. See, I remember. <laughs> I remembered how to say it. I'm not that rusty. That's right. That's right. But it, 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 your book cover, it began in Brooklyn. It's a great blue book cover, but it's got it's got what one, two, three, four pictures on it. And yep. as you talk, I, I I've got it, so there's an ashtray, there's a picture of a horse, uh-huh. a bra, and a fork. Whoa. And, <laughs> and I, I kind of get I now I know from hearing hearing you talk, I know what the ashtray is, I think, and I yeah. know what the bra is. Um am yeah. I afraid to ask what the horse is about? Or the horse. I had we had an old Italian grandma and I, and she and I were, were like oil and water, but she loved <laughs> to make up tomato plants, okay? Uh, well, one day they had three horses walking down the street, okay? And my grandmother grabbed me by the shoulder. She says, Look, 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 look at the horse in the middle. I said, yeah, what about him? She says, look at his eyes. He's scrunching his eyes. I says, I don't see any. He's watch, watch. She says, he's going to poop. <laughs> so, so I'm watching the horse go by. And sure enough, the horse does that. She says, you get your pail and shovel right away. I had a little pail and shovel. It was oh, like this God. big. Oh, my God. My, you know. And I'm running out. She's chasing me out there to get that. She says, that's the best thing for the tomato plants. And put in the rain barrels, you know. And, of course, my friends are saying, hey, Sonny. What are you going to do? Make horseshit tomatoes? What are you going to do? Horseshit <laughs> meatballs and stuff like that. So I said, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you. <clears throat> a few months go by, we got tomato plants, man. We got tomatoes that you can't. We got so many tomatoes. So, so I figured, I said, I'm going to give some to the neighbors. So I take about a dozen of them, and I go to my friend's house. I knock on his door, <clears throat> and, and, and his mother answers. I said, we got so many tomatoes. Mrs. Mahoney, would you like she says, oh, Sonny, thank you. Yeah, that's great. I'll make a tomato salad tonight. She says, yeah. His <laughs> her son, Maddie, sees me. He says, you gave those horseshit tomatoes to my mother? He says, yeah, but wait till you taste them. They're really, really good. You son of a bitch. He said, those are horseshit tomatoes. I said, well, we'll talk. Yeah, you'll taste them. You'll see. Then I go to my other friend, Jimmy. Tell him the same thing. He's all upset. But in the morning, they said, their mother's forced to taste the tomatoes, right? And I said, you know, we really, he says, we realized something. We really love horseshit tomatoes. <laughs> that, that, that was the, that one. That's amazing. And actually, as, as you're talking, as you're recounting that story about the horseshit, <laughs> I, I actually see now, which I didn't see before, but I see now the horse with his tail up getting yeah. ready to take a poop. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't catch that. So- I know. Believe it or not, we, uh, my son and I designed the cover, and he did a little drawings on it and so forth. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh, Vito. <laughs> <clears throat> now, uh, you want to know about the meatballs? Yes. Yes. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two parts to the meatballs, okay? There's a part that goes into the book, and then there's an extension of that into the screenplay. Okay. My mother always, my father can never get enough of a mother's meatballs, mother's meatballs. Nothing could be better than that. My mother really went all out. She got a special, uh, uh, what do you call it, recipe and all that. <clears throat> and this one particular day, that Sunday rather, she, she made the meatballs. She says, the pasta's there and the sauce. And she said, well, what do you think, Al? She says, what do you think of the meatballs? And now before he can answer, my grandmother, who had false teeth, got, got a little excited and she she she's she says, she says, they're really good. And she said that 
the upper plate fell into the gravy <laughs> boat. Oh. So I, we said, oh, my brother Joe. And I said, oh, that's terrible. I'm like, she got pissed off. She took a the, the fork and she threw it on my brother. And oh. it actually stuck in the side a little bit. And he's yelling, I've been forked. I've been forked. <laughs> so they calmed down a little bit. And this, yeah, it was, it was a Sunday to remember. So anyway, he said, you know, he says to she, my mother said, well, what do you think? What do you think of meatballs, Al? She says, you know, they're really good. Don't you think that they're just a little, little rubbery, maybe chewy? I thought they were great. She says, oh, really? And she's pissed. I've never seen my mother. She picks up three of them in a little and hurls it right, at the, right up at the wall behind his head. And it splatters everything. She goes upstairs and she's crying and everything else. That was the last time we ever had meatballs at home. <laughs> so to, to keep the peace, he would visit his mother every Thursday for her meatballs. Now, that's more or less the way the story is in, in the book. In the screenplay, I remembered the rest of it. A couple of weeks go by, and, <laughs> and, and he comes home, and, and he says, Oh, guys, I think I ate too many of my mom's meatballs. <laughs> He says, Sonny, go get me my VO and give me some water. And, and he goes, oh, he says, you know, he said, I got to digest a little bit. And about an hour goes by, he said, I can't stay. So I'm going to bed. So he goes to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, there's a loud blast. It's like, ba-da, man, made the windows rattle. My brother, Joe, I woke up. He said, what the hell was that? I says, I don't know. My grandmother who lived with us, she had, she still had a peapot there in a bedroom from Italy. And then she had a crucifix in one hand. She comes running out of the door saying, it's an earthquake. It's an earthquake. It, my mother yelled, it's not earthquake. It's just Al. She says, are you still in the bed? Yeah. She says, his ass was aimed towards the window. It's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's the meatball. Okay. Now I you're love so it. I love it. <laughs> You know, There's that's a lot the, of them though. Okay. Th that's the kind of imagery that I love because it's almost like an inside joke. Yeah. And you don't yeah. get it until you read mm -hmm. read read the book. And I think it's it's absolutely amazing um how that how stuff like that happened. Now, did you plan something like that? No. No, none of it was planned. No. Yeah. It just happens and it's a it beautiful just happened, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's just that's the, the way it was. Yeah, you know, no, it just it, it's it's always it always amazes me that you know those are like the happy not mistakes but those are the happy little things that you discover through the process and it and to me yeah like listening to you recount your stories and talk about your book and looking at just the imagery you have on the front on the 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 cover. It's it's absolutely amazing to me, um, and it warms my heart. That I, I have to say, you know, listening to you talk, I've been taken back to being ten years old and listening to my grandfather and his brothers tell stories. That's why I haven't been saying much this episode because I can't stop smiling because these all sound exactly like stories I've heard in my life. Well, today people go date. When, today, when people say they're dating, it's not the same thing as when we went on a date. <laughs> when we went on a date, you gone on a, you know, you'd have, you know, you put 15 bucks in your pocket, you figure you were flush, okay? Yeah. So you get on a bus, it was 25 cents for the fare. You take a bus, meet the girl, say hello to her parents. Now you got two fares, okay? You go to the movie theater, now you got to buy her, her ticket and your ticket. 
And the first time I did it, it was, it was, you know, she wanted a pop, popcorn and a soda. So I get the pop. Now I'm down six bucks. I said, shit, man, I'm only down to $9 already. I haven't even got a kiss. So, and the only place you can make out is teenagers would always go up in the balcony. So yeah. I put my arm around. She's, I'm not finished eating my popcorn yet. I said, oh, okay, fine. Wait another 10 or 15 minutes for it to finish the goddamn popcorn. So it's not, it's not carrying on. And about 10 minutes go by, she stands up, says, I have to go to the washroom. I said, okay. She stands up, and one breast is where it's supposed to be, but the other one is down near her stomach. Oh, my. I said, I said I'm falling in love with foam rubber. <laughs> so she, she, and then she comes back from the bathroom, and of course, everything's back in place. And, and, and because the rest of the night was, you know, the evening was kind of, kind of a little flat. I mean, you know, you don't know what the hell you're grabbing. So I mentioned it to my friend. He says, don't, don't you know the difference? I says, I never felt one before. I didn't know what it was until it dropped by his stomach. I knew it wasn't a breast. <laughs> oh, my God, Vito. So, and all, all your story, and it really feels like a Neil Simon play. That's what I was going to say. It reminds <laughs> yeah. me of, like, a, a Neil Simon, Boston Yonkers. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's the deal. And it's it's absolutely amazing. Um Oh, oh there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I got, you know, there's 42 chapters in the book and I got 20 plus like on the screenplay and I could even add more and so forth. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I suggest that if you guys get an opportunity to ask, ask Anthony for the, uh, the, the streamer and, and, and the, uh, the query yeah. letter, because Daxon did just a great job on it. You know, the funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, we we uh, I put one story in there that when when we went off to uh, I, I finished I got like the second highest paying job at a school at RIT, but it was up in Montreal Quebec which was was really fantastic. But you hear stories up there, you know, and and one of the stories that always stayed with me. They had this this you know this churches and they have all these statues and all this, but there's one church up there called Saint Joseph's Oratory. It's absolutely plain. There's nothing in it. <clears throat> but what you see all over the walls are crutches, canes, wheelchairs, hundreds of them of people mm. supposedly cured, right? Yeah. But also, <clears throat> with Catholics, they got some macabre procedures, okay? When you go in there, now, Brother Andre died in 1906 or something like that. He was wanted to suffer for God. So they said he always wore a hair shirt, which is a little off the wall, and slept in a hammock. And Brother Andre was like about four foot eleven, just a little, little, little shit. <clears throat> but anyway, he gets this money, and he and he builds this church. So, and and remembrance of him, you know, they they cut out his heart, they put it in a glass case, and they put it so that as soon as you get walk in through the doors, what do you see? You see a heart. It's a little disconcerting, especially if you never saw anybody's heart, you know, outside the the body. Yeah. One day, it made the newspaper. Somebody stole the heart. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Nobody knew where it was, man. The RCMP is there. The Quebec Provincial Police. Everybody's looking for a father, brother Andre's heart. Nothing. You know. Two years go by, and somebody says they come back, and there's brother Andre's heart. It's on the steps. <clears throat> Whoever had it returned it. But now, if you go there, now they got it with bars in front of it, so nobody <laughs> can steal it again. My God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a Vito. Yeah. Vito, what? So we know how it started out from when you were what seven, seven or eight, yeah. right? Yeah. What? Yeah. How does? How did? How do you wrap up your book? 
I, I wrap it up. Well, in, in, in the screenplay, <laughs> okay. Uh, there's there were other incidents, but the way I, I wrapped it up in the book is, is with the basically the last two chapters. Okay, let me qualify. So, have you guys ever had a fig date? You know what a fig date is? Fig date? No. No, you don't know what a fig date is. Oh, no. you, oh you mean from like a these, fig? Yeah, like you take figs fruit? and you soak, you soak them in brandy for about a week. They hold almost an ounce of brandy. So when you go now, I'm 16, 17, 17 I. Uh, uh, I, I finally can drive the car. My father got a station wagon. Now we got past we're past the that in the old Buick, <laughs> and you can go to a drive-in movie. Now you got a place where you can make out a little bit, right? Right. So I figured, you know, I said these. I said I tasted one. I said, man, these are really good. So I made twelve, but I ate one. I had eleven in a jar. So a girl says, "We're going to stop for popcorn." I said, "I got something better than that." She says, "What do you got?" I says, "I got brandied figs." She says, "Really?" I says, "Yeah." I said, "Oh, I'll show you." So we go there. We park. She's, so I tell him, she's, oh, gosh, these are really, really good. I said, yeah, have, have as many ones. By the third one, man, she's so, man, it's, it's happy times, you know? <laughs> and, 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 man, oh, boy, you can't beat a fig date, man. I tell my friends about the fig date. And I said, yeah, I mean, they got to make these figs. I said, it only takes, he's soaking for a week, man. I said, they're dynamite. Make sure you got good brandy, though. So. Anyway, so she's so free and easy. She says, she says, I got these pears in my brush. I don't need them anymore. She whips them out and mm -hmm. throws them out the window. She says, I feel so free. I said, me too, you know. <laughs> this is this is great. So a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks go by, and I'm feeling a little guilty. So in those days, <laughs> if you, it's the last time actually it was the last time I was at a Catholic church. <laughs> I said, they said, they said, uh, uh, I said, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. You know, it's been a while, a couple of years and so forth. He said, okay. He said, I said, uh, I, I've got a problem, Father. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, I can't feel remorseful. He said, well, what, what do you mean? I said, well, I met this girl. I said, and, you know, we were we had relations for a little while. And he said, okay, how many times? They always want to know how many times. Yeah. I said, I don't know. I didn't count. We, we, you know, it was a few times. He goes, hey, well, I said, uh, are you married? I said, no. He said, well, that's fornication. That's a sin. I said, well, yeah, well, I said, uh, are you remorseful? I says, that's my problem. But what do you mean? That's your problem. I says, every time I try to feel remorse, I get happy. You know, I, the more remorse I try to feel, the happier I get. He says, well, you got to feel remorse. Otherwise, I can't forgive your sin. I says, I said, I, I said, I'm just too early in a remorseful stage. I'm going to leave. And I just walk out. <laughs> I'm walking down the steps. He's yelling at me. I want to know your name. I'm going to excommunicate. I said, okay, my name is John Doe. I figured I'll play it safe. And, so I, and that's the way the thing sort of fades out. Oh, my God. I then love you can go, that. You know, from there, you can go on to, you know, the, the service and stuff like that. You know, yeah. all, all the stuff that happened in, in the Navy and so forth. Wow. Wow. Vito, you, you have really lived three or four, maybe five lives. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I, I'll tell you, give me, give me, when, when I, I mean, if you Google my name, you'll see I got a lot of patents and so forth, technical stuff and so forth. Uh, but, you know, it gave me the opportunity to uh, give lectures in, you know, Tokyo and Paris and London. And wow. so you meet a lot of, you meet a lot of different people. But it, it's, it's, <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, this writing of the book has been just, I've never had so much fun. And, well, you know, Oh, sorry. What's been the response from people like your children when they've read the book? I'm like, are these stories? They couldn't stop because that, you know, we like they know their father now than they better than they ever knew him before. You know that, you know, he's not just this old man, you know, 
he was a kid too, you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and you know, because they remember times when, you know, from experiments that we had going on sometimes, uh, you know, he would, you would, uh, you know, you'd reek of certain chemistry and so forth. And uh, I'll leave you with this last one as far as, it, you know, people think chemistry is serious and so forth. It's not always true. We were running, we had built a reactor and it was to change the molecular structure of cornstarch as a cheap resin that could modify epoxies and coatings and all this other kind of stuff. So it's a two-year project, okay? And you're running at about 1,000 degrees with a special oil and, and running at about 5,000 PSI. High, high, you know, little touchy stuff. But we had a little pinhole in the reactor that we never could find. And the problem with it is that when it got really hot, it a drop a drop of that oil would hit the floor and sort of like explode and you would smell exactly like dog shit i mean you reek of dog shit now after a while we all smell the same so we didn't notice it anymore <laughs> by the second day we ran we were running almost 48 hours straight so i'm going to go to the store up there uh, uh, get us some cold cuts and stuff i go in there and as soon as i open the door so <laughs> i open the door so here's what i'm saying damn she says somebody better check their shoes man it I think they stepped on some forks, you know. So everybody starts looking at the bottom of their shoes, and nobody's finding anything. And he's suddenly walking up and down the aisles, and going, "People are going, oh my god, god!" You know? And then they're all leaving. They're not shopping. They just want to get the hell out of there. So I go, I go up to the counter. I said, "Okay, what are you?" He says, "It's you, you son of a bitch. You just get out of here." He said, "God," he says, "You chased all my customers away, and I got the food for free." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of funny stuff. Life's funny, you know. You you you, you can dwell on, uh, uh, you can dwell on, on the, the the heartache and so forth. You can just dwell on the humor. It's, it's and and everybody likes to laugh, and oh, you know, yeah. and, and it's things that you know, you know, you can't make stuff up. That's it's just human nature. Yeah. You know, there was like, a, hell, okay, okay, I'll give you one more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Jimmy the Fire. Give us as many as you want. Yeah. You know? <laughs> great. <laughs> okay, Jimmy the Fireman, okay? We threw a block. This made the daily news in 47 or 48, okay? Uh, Jimmy the Fireman, uh, the fire department came, and there was a jumper. He's on the fifth floor in a fire escape, and the cooking ladder only went up like the three floors and so forth. Right. So Jimmy's the first one, and he seals up the other two, latches onto the, the fire escape, and there's the guy there. Now, his back is towards... The crowd, <clears throat> they're taking pictures of it, and the pictures are in the actually the pictures are in the paper, and they they see the guy, and all of a sudden you see the guy sort of sag, he sags over Jimmy's shoulder like this, and so Jimmy's got him over his shoulder. They lower a harness from the roof and, and and let Jimmy come down with the guy on his shoulder. He's got a bruise on his face a little bit, and he said, "What's that?" He said, "I hit the, he hit the wall and so forth a little bit." So so they said, "Boy," I said, "How'd you do that?" I said, "I told him a lot, a lot of people really love him." And so forth. He said, yeah, no usual bullshit. He said, you know, <laughs> so I got five kids. He said, you think I'd take a chance? So he said, Jimmy, what happened? He says, as soon as I got close to him, he says, I saw my back was to the cameras and so forth. He said, I just hit that son of a bitch as hard as I could. I got five kids I got to get home to. <laughs> and then we had a block party. <laughs> the, I, 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 you know, if, <laughs> thinking about now, Compared to even even in the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, it's amazing the the time and the progression of life oh, yeah. and, yeah. and how it's how it's oh, come yeah. to be. 
And, you know, for everybody that's listening to this right now going, oh, my God, I can't believe that. How could that ever be? And blah, blah, blah. You know what? That's the way it was. That's yeah. the way. That's life. That's, that's really actually was, living. Yeah. <clears throat> you people, know? people, you know, it was, uh, and it, you know, there were Irish, Italian, Polish, Jewish. I mean, everybody had their own thing. And the one thing is that everybody liked everybody else's food. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody loved the deli and so forth. You know, everybody liked the Chinese thing. I can't say that nobody ever called a Chinese restaurant. We always had a different name for it. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I could say it. <laughs> maybe Let's not. Tell us after the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe off air. <laughs> <laughs> we call that off mic conversations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there, there was the Greeks and the Poles and the Tannies and the Irish and so forth, you know, and uh, it, it was just, just, just the way it was, you know. Yeah, we had. Uh, you know, it was just a, a, a very different time, oh, and the, yeah. and there's always respect for everybody. Okay, mm. everybody respected. Yeah. You know, one guy who could be a was a, was 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 a lineman with a telephone company. The other guy would be a roofer. The other guy would be a, you know a plumber and so forth. And the thing is, is people would often call you Jimmy the Roofer. Okay, or Bruce the yeah. Plumber. You know? Yeah. Basically, on what you did, out the machinist. You know, it, it was it was the way it was. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's I mean, just to hear you talk about that is just it's 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 amazingly sweet. Oh, hold on. the way that is. Sorry that's about amazing. that. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. You could have taken your call. That would have been yeah, yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> no, that's but you know what? That, that when because because we're everybody's listening to this. It's live. It's recorded and right. And, yeah. you know, sometimes, you know, we have another producer, like we mentioned to you before the show. His name is Chewy, yeah. right? And, you his know, he's sometimes. Yeah, Chewy, Chewy. yeah, I like Chewbacca from Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, That's a little dorky. Yeah. Really... yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my and, God. You know, well, one thing I've noticed you've been talking about that's really touched me is how uh, nowadays there's no more. And I don't Well, for me, it is. But a lot of places, there's no more neighborhood type of thing, that feel of knowing your neighbors. Like, I know almost all my neighbors where I live, but. When I was staying with our friend Micah, she mentioned that she didn't know almost none of them. Just like her, her daughter Mazzy knew a few. And how do you feel? The world has changed so much since what I think is the golden era of America oh, yeah. is the 40s to 50s, really, when the Americana thing, all of that. Yeah. That's my favorite period of time, especially New York back then. I think that's when I think New York, that's the era I think of, you know, when it was the Dodgers, Yankees and Giants oh, were yeah. like the biggest things in the world and everything was safe not that things were perfect but the world was completely different then how like when your your kids and other people have read the book what what do they have to say about the way the world was then compared to what it is now oh they wish that they wish it could be like that you know yeah. they said it's so much simpler i mean you know and it really it was much a much more simpler time uh you know you talk you talk about the oh my gosh uh, the, the, it just, uh, it, like today, even the sports, they were so organized. We didn't have any, you know, you, you learn how to play, you learn how to hit a ball with, with, uh, with a mop handle. Okay. 
you, like you played ball, Steve. Right? You had, you, yeah. yeah, you had a tennis ball about the size of a baseball. You put a square on a wall, and and you hit it with the, with the handle from a, a, a you know it was a one basically a one inch diameter stick. You learn how to hit that well with that. Uh, you, when, when you start to play baseball, it was like hitting a melon. You couldn't miss it, yeah. right? And 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 so you know, and that's the way you learn. And and then we, uh, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> even playing baseball, we had. Oh God. Okay, I'll tell you another story. Baseball. Were you a Dodgers fan growing up, or a Yankees? Yeah, we were all Dodger fans growing up. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And and then well, my father would get free tickets. Sometimes we'd be right on the first base. Thing, and you can meet with Gil Hodges, he'd say hello to you. Oh most of those guys had part time jobs, and uh, you know, when they're off season, okay. most people, we, the, the Ken Burns documentary talked about that. How a lot of that. guys, I think Pee Wee Reese was a yeah. worked at a deli or something, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Phil was also an aluminum signing too, and you know, all these guys had part time jobs, but we had we had we had our own baseball team, and it was, was called the Trojans, named after a Greek city state. We didn't know at the time that was also the famous name of a big condom manufacturer. <laughs> so when we were playing guys, you know, they said, "Hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, what? You, if you if you use a Trojan, does it make you bat harder?" I said, "Yeah, it makes it bat harder." Yeah, you know, and all that kind of kid <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but you know, it was just, it was just, it was just good, good fun. You know, it was just, you know, and you know, the the, the other thing is, is that. Uh, you didn't come across, you know, with like with the, all the stuff with, with, you know, they try to segment every little uh, group uh, and, and it aggravates me because they do it just for the, just to elevate themselves on somebody else's back. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. to me, when people ask me how I feel about it, I said, to me, I said, to me, color to me is really simple. You think of it as a painting. You have a, a black and white painting of just lines on a, on a, on a canvas, you put color into it and it comes alive. This yeah. country has color. Yeah. And with all the benefits and, and, and excuse, uh, what do you call it, uh, wonderful ability that all of these different groups have, that's, that's what makes us all so strong. And, and to try to segment that, it's just, you're just hurting your country. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, no matter what part of industry you're looking at or music or the arts and so forth, there's a group that always seems to excel at it. And thank God for that, you know, yeah. uh, and, and that's what makes this country great to try and to try and denigrate any aspect of that really just pisses me off. It really does. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. And, you, and you see it. I've seen it. I've seen it 50 years ago. I've seen it in different countries. You know, uh, when I was in Japan, I was there for like about a month at a time. Uh, they have what they call the Ainu. The Ainu are round eyed Japanese guys. They're like the original settlers and it's considered a. A, a treasure. Nobody let them leave them alone. Let them live the way they want to do. Okay, and I was talking to a Japanese guy. He says, "He said, well, he says, you know, really, he says, we got two different shapes here. He said, there's people that are built more or less like North American guys, you know, regular shape. He said, then there's he says, then there's kind of with the longer body, short legs that you guys make fun of, you know. I says, yeah, but you know, it, but you know, uh, but ethics uh, very very strong on that. I remember being in a hotel that was near the near the palace. And every morning at six o'clock, I'd look out the window, and these guys like karate class or the cops, they'd be running around. It was like about three miles every morning, barefoot. This is in October around the grounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then what they do is there were no numbers on there were no numbers on the houses, none. 
what they do is they, they go through karate training for an hour. And after that, they wash up. And what do you think they do before they put them out in the street? They do flower arranging. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, to keep them proper. And the mailman knows every, every, every family in his area. Mm. No numbers. There's no numbers on the building. None at all. Wow. Hmm. Wow. That says a lot. It that says have- a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. That's, that's pretty amazing. You know, uh, it, it makes you wonder when you were growing up back in the forties and fifties, they had, you know, no communication like they have now. And the communication back then was so open and honest and so, um, so accepted. But now you have all this form of communication and you can't say anything. We've never been more alone or isolated as a people. Not just, you know, what the COVID stuff, even before that, we've been so closed off to other people. Mm -hmm. It's sad because I I think you guys, you guys miss a lot. I'll give you, I'll give you you one quick one. Okay. Yeah. We we were playing, we were playing, we were playing in a band and we were at this one particular club and there was a, a young Arab guy there by the name of Muhammad. Of course, uh, but he was turned out to be a medical student studying in Paris, and he was home for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and he had a home. Well, he had two homes actually, because his parents had died in a plane crash a couple of years earlier. Oh my goodness! But some guys were trying to give him a hard time, so we stopped playing. We straightened him out a little bit, and then we went back to playing. And he hung around until we were finished, <clears throat> and he invited us to his home. So now we got this great big limo, you know, Jack limo with all the instruments on it. So the following day, we're there. And so it, we, we saw what it was, and his place was off the Medina, the Arab shopping district. And it was all big, all walls around it, okay? And, and the gates, he had like, uh, like uh, doors that were like 12 feet high, like three inches thick and so forth. So I knock on the door, and this little guy comes out like about five foot two. And he says, are you the musicians? We said, yeah. He says, okay, my master is waiting for you. Well, we're all from New York. What do you mean, master? <laughs> <laughs> What are you kidding? So he said, yeah. He says, okay, fine. So we all get out of the car. He said, your car is safe here. Don't worry about that. We go in, and it's like a cobblestone path like this. Then it's split, and in the middle of it is like a palm tree and some other flowers. And then it, it went back together again, and then it stopped, and then it was like a horizontal-like path. And behind that was sliding glass doors probably about 20 feet long, Okay. So he says, so the guy, little guy goes and he pushes it and the, the door opens up and there's like hundreds of pillows behind it. So he said, he says, make yourself comfortable. My master, my master will be with you. And they're, there. they're looking at each other and there he goes with master again. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> he comes out and we start swapping stories. What's it like you growing up? What it was like him growing up and so forth. And it was a great time. Well, at the end of, at the end of the thing, he says, listen, you guys have to be, he spoke five languages. Okay. Wow. He spoke English, French, uh, of course, Arabic, I think Spanish, and, and uh, I forget what the hell the other one was. But anyway, he says, you guys can say, he says, I got a room for each one of you guys. He says, you know, he said, okay, yeah, fine. So I go in the room, and, and it's a nice room. I mean, it's a king-size bed and so forth. Uh, but there's no, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, I, I see this thing, and I said, I said oh, yeah. it's got a plug in it and so forth. I says, I don't know what the hell that thing is. I says. So I turn the water on, and it's like, it's a circle of water that comes out all around in the circle. I said, I think I know what that, I think I read about that. I think it's a, they call it a bidet or something like that. <laughs> but I wasn't sure. <clears throat> so so anyway, so, uh, so 
And I found out what, what yeah, it was a bidet. <laughs> the following morning, <laughs> the following morning, we get together. One of the guys, one of the guys, Frankie said from the band says, he says, you know, these Arabs, and he said, you know, they really like their water warm, man. I tasted, you know, I was brushing my teeth with it. He says, I just couldn't get a cold. I said, you know what they wash with that? I said, I told him, he says, oh, shit. He said, I, gotta get my, just, I want to get my toothbrush again. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> now we knew what a bidet was. <laughs> they don't have toilet paper. There's no toilet paper there. That's amazing. Really? That's yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't see, you know, the Americans, yeah, but no, nah, nah, you got to be kidding. You go to Medina's, Medina's shopping district, they got a dead donkey on there. The guy whacks it with a stick, the flies fly off, and the guy picks out what piece of meat he wants, you know. Oh, wow. Wow. But you see the changing of the guard, you know, the changing of the guard. <clears throat> Hell, the changing of the guard was on a Saturday. It was. The first bunch of soldiers come out with their horses. They're all black horses, all perfectly horses. The next ones are all brown, all perfectly brown. The next ones are all white. Eight choice was exactly the same as the other. And then there's one guy behind it with a pail and shovel. He's picking up the horse shit and throwing it out to the side, and the guys are fighting over it, the horse shit, right? Then they had water cellars there as well. He comes out, and then finally Mohammed V, who was the king there at the time, comes out in a carriage given to his forefathers by Queen Victoria. Beautiful carriage. He goes in there, says the prayers. I'm taking pictures of all the stuff. And he comes out. What do you think he comes out? 1958 Lincoln Continental. Man. That's amazing. It was, uh, it was something to see, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Vito, yeah. we have spent, no joke, the better part of this interview, we have been listening to you reminisce and it's and been amazing this is this is more obviously you came on to talk about your book and we did but yeah. but to be able to talk and 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 hear you reminisce about your life and the way things were yeah. i mean wow um if if and i i do say this you reminiscing about your stories if your book is only a quarter oh, entertaining yeah. <laughs> as you have been today i can't wait <laughs> to see the movie and yes. i you know that's another thing once you get your screenplay like where yeah, we'd love to have you back on to talk yeah. about that as yeah. well oh for sure. Uh, for sure listen you can you can get <clears throat> check with anthony he, He'll send you a copy of the book and the screen. He'll, he'll send you both of them. Perfect. That'd be awesome. Perfect. Yeah, I, I will. I will. Yeah. I, and I, I would be, I, I would feel really crappy about myself if I didn't ask. And we normally don't ask, but you've seen it all. You, you, you've seen life from the '40s to now. Yeah. What it what. What kind of information or knowledge or anything you want people to know today? Young kids, and obviously adults are one thing, but especially kids these days. Do you have any kind of knowledge to, to give them? I yeah, just I'll want to you. point I'll out you, anything you, know. you say is probably going to offend them. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's okay. I don't think but it's okay. I don't think you can. One of the things that we never had in those days was drugs. Okay, the only drug you had was smoking and 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 basically beer and so forth. And most people were, you know, you could always tell the ones that uh, I, I tell stories about the, the Boy Scouts and and 
<laughs> Subway. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that, you know, you could always tell a guy that was drunk too much, okay? You, you could always spot him, okay? All the time. And, and, and you know, you even tell him, you, you want to look like that? Is that what you want? You know, you want to, you know, the focus is on, they have to find interests in it. I think by they keep dumbing down the schools and so forth. They got to know more about, I wish to God they would teach more of uh, 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 history, okay? And current events and, and the differences. I, these people don't even know what socialism is. You know, I, I've, I've known people that were from Venezuela before Chavez got in there and, and, and what it was afterwards. And, and I've been in, in, in Zimbabwe, which used to be Rhodesia. And it was fantastic. Rhodesia used to have make so much food, they were feeding half the country, okay? Wow. Outside of their own place. Then, then, they, then the other, again, socialism takes over and turns to, rat, it turns to a rat hole. Uh, I, would, I would just have them focus on, you know, and it would have to start with the schools. Uh, be proud of your country. You know, fine, we had some problems. But this is a young country, and it's been growing, and it's been getting better all the time. But there are going to be people that are going to try and destroy it. And just just think of it from a common sense point of view. But that comes from teaching. And, you know, stay away from the drug side of it. Mm. I had I had three grandsons, uh, you know, and I, I asked him about high school of drugs. He says, Grandpa, he says, you know, you see those guys in the corner. They don't even know how to talk, you know. <laughs> we, we stay away from them. Uh, get more involved in athletics. You don't get into trouble when you're in a, into athletics. You don't have time, you know. It, you 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 have respect, whatever your religion is. You know, it's the same God. You know, it's just different ways of of of, of, of worshiping Him. Okay, but you know, you know, and you gotta you know, posit the positive side, but also show them what the bad side is, because they you can't make an evaluation of something unless you see the good and the bad. Yeah. You can see some incredible things that some people have done, and you can see some horrible things that people have done, you know, and 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 uh, drill it into them. And what it'll do, it'll give them a very strong sense of right and wrong, that you treat people the way you want to be treated mm. all the time. It's regardless of religion, color, and all that other kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. Those are just political tools that people use to uh, motivate themselves to a higher level on somebody else's back. And, and that really, really, really annoys me. Uh, the the uh, it, it, you know it, it's 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 such a much more complicated world today though. <clears throat> when I look back, you know, and, and not only that, they get so they're inundated with information that we didn't even know about half that stuff until you know you were much older. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It, you know, and it it goes back to. Um, just without getting into all of it. And, and it does. It starts with school. They're taking, yeah, yeah. you know, music out of school. Some yeah. athletics as well, you know. and, and it's what they're, Yeah, it's, it's not good it's not at good. all. It's not good, you know. I, I remember, you know, being, being in athletics and actually learning what respect is exactly. and giving respect. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a bad well, yeah. thing. It's not. It's not a bad thing. It's just no, you know today today you know it, it, you know we had we had oh, there's opportunities that we didn't have because of the situations at the time and today there's everything's so control control but my God you know everybody should get into some form of athletics and so forth it just if if nothing else it just makes you feel good yeah. exactly yep. yeah you know, if you want to feel better do this don't smoke a joint you know 
so you're going to get high. Okay, what about the rest of your body? Okay. Yeah. You're going to be a marshmallow. You know. Yeah. It's it's like, yeah. I I go to gym like three times. Try to make at least three times a week. Oh. And the only thing is not that you're competing with anybody. It's just that knowing that you're still capable of handling yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it's and and it just makes you feel good. You know, you can still call somebody an asshole and not worry about what it's going to do something because you still can do something. You know? That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Wow. Vito, this has been it's been a me. This is yeah. the best way to restart the show. I mean, yeah. we're just but I feel recharged. It was just great hearing stories about how easy and better the world was. You know, it always encourages me to hear stuff like that. And I honestly cannot wait to read the book and see the movie. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you'll have fun. Now, I, what I don't have in there is when my grandmother, fat mama, uh, <laughs> gave grandpa a black eye because he was trying to, that's, that's another story. It, it just goes on and on. It, it's endless. So my, I had a cousin, I had my uncle Murphy through marriage. <clears throat> I'll leave you with this one. Okay. My aunt was sort of like the, the mistress of some guy out down the block. Everybody knew it for about eight years, but she wanted to get married. So he gave her a big ring, like two carat diamond ring. But before it could happen, he gets a heart attack and dies. Oh. And now she says, you know, what am I going to do? She says, I want a guy. So there's Murphy. After 20 years, got four bronze stars, you know, been World War II, Korea, Vietnam. I mean, and big smile. Everybody loved Murphy. <clears throat> so she hooks up with Murphy. And she says, Murphy, I'm going to give you this ring. He goes, <laughs> now you're going to give it back to me. He says, okay. She says, now I can tell everybody you gave me this ring. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, yeah, I, I can't. Okay, what I know, I know you're working on part two, and now I see why you're working on part two yeah. because one, one idea, one thought, one story oh, leads yeah. into another, and it's yeah. absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. And you know, actually, looking on your website, you know, <laughs> another amazing thing is, is. Talk a little bit, or just real quick, about the publishing that you've done on your book. <clears throat> well, I did it with, uh, <clears throat> I did it with a, like a self-publishing one called Book Baby. And, okay. And, uh, a lot of good they, things about them. They, they, they're good. They're really, yeah. really good. And and so the first thing they said, well, they said, you know, you may want to do a little bit of advertising, try it with Facebook and so forth and so forth. And I did that. And then I thought to myself, you know what? <clears throat> I'm one of a thousand other guys nobody's if i get discovered it's going to be sheer luck okay i can't i'm not going to do <clears throat> the book is like nobody else has ever read why should i why would i want to try to promote it like everybody else yeah so i, I went through things and i then i came across uh anthony morris <laughs> let me find out about these guys yeah. so i got a hold of anthony he said you know we don't take everybody he said you know can you give me a story i said okay and, and then he called me back the following day <laughs> he called me back the following day and said, "Yeah, we want to we want to work with you." And the story I gave him was was dancing with the midget. And he, and, and he calls me back the next day. He says, "I, I got to tell you, he says I couldn't get that damn thing out of my head <laughs> all the way home." He said, "It really happened." I says, "Yeah." He says, "You know, you're 15. It doesn't take much to get excited. You know, you keep sticking your ass out. You know, you can only go on so far." You know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we started with Anthony Moore Communications. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. And, and I, 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 I got a lot of respect for his people. He's got 
he's got young, smart, really dynamic people. They're really, really good. That's cool. That's very awesome. cool. And you know, one thing that I know Eric will is going to love is on your website, you can purchase the book through you. Per, yeah, yeah person, right through book, baby. Right? Yeah. Yeah, right and, through, yeah, right through. That's, and, and, and you save yourself some money that way too. And you'll get it right away. Yeah. 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 One yeah. thing when it comes to independent artists, because that's where my heart is, especially now with self publishing, like the books that I'm planning on writing, I am going to self publish because you don't, there's no middleman. You know, you it's, it it feels more your own when you're working your butt off to sell something, one book or one movie at a well, time. It, it, not only that, Eric, you're going to have more control over what you're going to do. Exactly. Okay? Yes. And, and and you're not at the mercy of saying, well, I don't know if I would do it that way, you know, or, or you know, uh, you get that. And it, it, I, I know the book will sell. Well, it's just a matter of letting people know about it. Exactly. Because uh, yeah. the, the, the commonality is that. Everybody likes to laugh. Everybody yeah, likes to yeah, enjoy something, yeah. be happy. I got, you know, and it show you the diversity of people. I've had people come up to me and say, Vito, I couldn't put it down. I read the whole thing in four hours. And then, <laughs> I, had other people tell, and then I had somebody else tell me, and I, this one I still don't understand. He says, you know, Vito, I said, uh, my wife and I, we read a couple of chapters every night before we go to bed. I'm thinking, you read my book before you go. You should be reading something else. You know, <laughs> that's what you read before you go to bed. Yeah. He says, yeah, yeah. I says, okay, whatever. You know, so yeah, <laughs> people are different. That's, yeah. a, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty. And and you know what, ladies and gentlemen, the 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 link to buy from Book Baby is going to be in the description of this yes. podcast. Yeah, and definitely. you can okay. probably find it anywhere else. We're not even going to tell you about that because I want 100% of the proceeds exactly. going go, to this gentleman yes. right here. 100%. Because he deserves it. He deserves yeah. it. Yes, absolutely. And Vito, mm -hmm. I look forward. I absolutely look forward to the day when you when you email me or call me up and go, hey, I want to talk about like my A screenplay movie. that I'm I'm working on or finishing, right? I want to talk about that or I want to talk about part two of my yeah, book i can't I, wait we for would that love we would absolutely love that i, I appreciate that very much thank you absolutely yeah, it, it would be fun to do I, I i'll tell you make sure you get get a hold of anthony and, and get, get those two things he'll he'll email them to you, you you'll have a lot of fun with them because the, the book itself actually starts off just to give you a little insight into so so actually with my father okay the first chapter is about my father because <laughs> I'll give you some sense of where some of this stuff comes from, of where it's ingrained. My father's name was Cuche Fiasco, okay? Yeah, that means crucifix. His first name was Crucifix. Can you imagine a kid starting school with the name of Crucifix Altavilla? I mean, you want to start He learned how to fight at the first grade. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the first chapter. <laughs> I love it. And, it. and it just kicks off from there, I yeah, tell you. Yeah. And you say it's 42 chapters. Yes, yeah, I think 42 chapters, yeah. And, I mean, it's it sounds like... It sounds short, like they're short, yeah, they're short chapters. And, you know, the thing is, is that I originally did it that way because I was thinking in terms of something like The Twilight Zone. Every week was a different, totally yeah, different thing. Right. And then somebody said, that's that's the past. They don't like that now. So that's when I said, because I had written, a, the, I actually wrote another screenplay with that in mind. And they said, no, no, they, they don't, they don't like that anymore. So, okay, fine. Now they want the character to go through and, you know, get older and stuff like that. So I said, okay, fine. 
but you know, you know, if if they see that uh, to go from there, and you know, you know, uh, on the screenplay, I mean, you work with other people and so forth, and and uh, you know, you, you get get that, uh, you get this the the. Uh, Make sure you get the streamer and the query letter too. Yeah. Because actually, Anthony's guy, God, he encapsulated it beautifully. I, yeah. I, I couldn't have done it that I can't well. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I appreciate people's ability. It's really nice to see. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing, and that's that's what being creative is all about. Uh, yeah. One oh, person, and they they kind of spread their creativity out to other people. And it just kind of yeah. takes hold and catches fire and it grows. And I think that's yeah. one of the best things about being creative. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, uh, Vito, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Well, from the and, bottom of my heart, I yeah. want to thank you for and just coming it. on and sharing your life with us. Yes. It was fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Eric? Well, everybody, I think that's the best way to end the show. Again, all of Vito's information will be in the link if you're listening in on Anchor. And when we put it up on our social media, all the links to Book Baby on Vito's webpage will all be there. Again, we just want to thank Vito one more time for coming on. And remember, everybody, I think this episode, you know, embodies our, our catchphrase at the end of the show. Remember, everybody, especially in this day and age, be excellent to each other.